Support for WVIK comes from Kathleen Collins at the Dragonfly in Bettendorf. Using both conventional and alternative counseling methods for empowerment to help create change for individuals and couples. More information is at KathleenCollinsCounseling.com. Support for Talking Art on WVIK comes from the people at Quad City Bank and Trust, helping the local community with their banking and financial needs for more than 20 years. Information is at QCBT.com. This is Carolyn Martin, and I'm talking art today with Dr. Corrine Johnson, professor of theater at St. Ambrose University and the director and costume designer for the musical Little Women, which will be performed April 29th through May 1st at the Galvin Fine Arts Center on the St. Ambrose campus. Hi there, Corey. Hi. Well, this tale has been beloved ever since Louisa May Alcott published it in the 19th century. But for those not familiar with Little Women, describe the storyline for us. Well, it is a dramatic work of fiction that is very closely inspired by the life of Louisa May Alcott about four sisters. Louisa May Alcott had four sisters uh, and is specifically focused on the youngest one, Joe, which is remarkably like Louisa May Alcott herself, who uh, forges her own way in life as a writer and ultimately finds her writing style writing about those things that she knows the best, her family experience and her beloved sisters that have all go their separate ways and yet keep a connection throughout their lives. Mm-hmm. Numerous adaptations of Little Women have been created for film, for television, and the stage. What is it about this story that allows it to resonate after so much time and appeal to such a diverse audience? Well, it is a play that was before its time. Um, And and you heard me almost say, is there, because I feel like it's been written right now because it is about... People, specifically women in this play, or girls, um, because they're quite young, finding different ways to be fulfilled in life. Traditional roles as wife and mother, uh, wonderful roles as inspiration as they um, uh, connect with one another and support one another. And Joe's route of being a bit of a rebel and saying, no, I am not going to do what I'm told. I'm going to do what my passion drives me to do. And so it resonates for everyone, male or female alike, who doesn't have a particular mold that they fall into, nor do they want to, and change the world around them in order to fulfill their dreams and to connect and bring others up with them. The character of Joe also, I know, has been very inspiring to many modern day mm-hmm. writers. And I imagine that that influence will just continue on. Oh, I, I think so. She's she's spunky. She's sometimes hard to love. But when she allows herself to be not only strong but vulnerable as well, it is impossible not to love her. You're, you're retiring next month at oh, the end of this semester. I, am. I almost teared up there. <laughs> <laughs> at St. Ambrose, and you've taught there for 33 years. Oh, my so, goodness. So why did you intentionally choose this musical mm-hmm. for your final production? It, it must have been a tough decision. Oh, my gosh. I went back and forth. My students were bored as heck with me bringing different ideas. And not that I looked to them specifically for their approval, but this was my last play that I was doing here. And... Um, I, I taught a class a, a year ago with um, Mr. Ron May, who is also the musical director of this show, uh, a wonderful musician and man of the theater who has 
experience far beyond my own. And we were so impressed and enamored with the student body that we had that we knew was still going to be here the next year. The voices off the charts, the acting ability, uh, deeper than their years should merit, and went back and forth and back and forth. And I finally happened upon this play. I loved the book as a child, but I will tell you that um, I I tend to go towards dark and edgy, and this play is uplifting and and realistic and inspirational. And I'm so glad that I went out of my comfort zone and picked a play that I have now fallen deeply in love with, but that suited our student body to a T. I... Um, you know, it's a college play, so we have some 19-year-olds playing 65-year-olds. It's a college play. <laughs> but the voices, the the decorum, the sensibilities of the students, I, um, I was, I'm so encouraged by where we are right now that we were to have rehearsal on Friday, which is, of course, Good Friday, because it's so close to opening. And I said, we're not ready to open yet, but I think that you can take Friday off and have a long weekend at home with your family. Come back on Monday ready to do an eight-hour rehearsal. There's no classes that day, so we're doing two rehearsals, four hours in the afternoon, four at night. But they're in a good place, and they are proving that my choice for this play was, thanks to them, a really good fit. Mm. You've described their voices as sub- sublime. Sublime! Yes. Yeah. And, you know, I, I imagine you've directed traditional um, stage productions more frequently than musicals Absolutely. over the course <clears throat> of your career. Um and the production this weekend, again, is a musical. It de- debuted on Broadway in 2005. Yes. As a director, are there are there challenges that are unique to directing a musical? Oh, boy, yes. Um, I have done many musicals. I've acted in many musicals. But to say that I'm a musician is incorrect. And so I rely heavily on my music director who reminds me that it's a good idea to bring my score to rehearsal and not just my libretto. <laughs> and he's right. And help me to understand and to use the music as subtextual underscoring to the storytelling. And it is then, of course, through movement and choreography, Andrea Moore is our choreographer for this, that it all comes together and is not just driven by the text, but driven by all of those different sensory elements that elevate it to something else. I said it was a realistic play, but it is definitely elevated beyond that, especially when Joe takes moments of flights of fancy where the lighting becomes particularly um, uh, symbolic and the music has a motif that moves us, that, that words can start, but music and visuals and movement elevate. Mm-hmm. So, Andrea Moore, you mentioned, is the choreographer. Yes. And Ron May is the music oh, director. Yes. Who is the scenic designer? The scenic designer is my colleague for the last 30-plus years, Christopher Eitrim, who will also be retiring at the end of this year. And uh, you, this is I found this quite extraordinary. Besides being the director, you are also the costume designer for this. I am. How yes. has that worked? Well, I we we had for over twenty years a full time costume designer in the wonderful person of Diane Dye, who is not only an incredible artist but my closest friend. And uh, over the pandemic, and with the um, diminishing of theater on the St. Ambrose campus, her role or her, her position was eliminated. So I, I'm pulling her in to do hair for this show be, because I can't stand doing a show without her. But uh, I stepped back into the role that I did. I started in 1989 when I started this job. I said, well, I can. You know, I really wanted a job out of college. And so I could 
direct. I could do the costumes. I could teach. And I was also 29 years old. So <laughs> it was a different time. And now I find myself doing that again. And I actually love costume designing. I love working in the costume shop. But it is a lot along with full-time teaching and three to four hour rehearsals at night. So. Yes, and this has a large cast. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. It has 17 people in the cast and each of them has anywhere between three and nine costumes. So so you, you built some of these, mm-hmm. but they came from other sources as well. Yes, we had to. Uh, you know, 19th century costumes are replete with so many different elements. Corsets, uh, not panniers, uh, hoop skirts, uh, petticoats, bonnets, all of those things. So one of our former students, uh, Brian Hemeseth, if the name is familiar, it is possibly because you've seen his shows on Broadway or recently saw the movie version of Steven Spielberg's uh, West Side Story, which he was the first-hand costume designer for. Amazing. Yeah, we're very proud of him. He's also won a few Emmys for uh, his work on Saturday Night Live and uh, Sesame Street. He's a He's a dear friend. And he graduated from St. Ambrose. Well, yeah, yes, he did. He, he started out at Yale. and then he tra- What? He's the only person who I know who started out at <laughs> Yale and transferred to, to St. Ambrose. I had one student who went to graduate school in theater in Yale, to Yale, but never the other way around. So it is a long story, but we were very fortunate that he fell into our lap um, and was came here as an actor and uh, left as a costume designer, went to Carnegie Mellon, got his MFA, and uh, is living in New York and making of. A very good career for himself. And he works in Sesame Street. Uh, a studio is in the same building that something called the Theater Development Costume Fund is. Most of the costumes that are used on Broadway that when the clo- show closes, they go to this rental house and any money that they make then goes to benefit uh, aging and retiring people of the theater. And so he was kind enough to... Once I got a cast, take my measurements and try to collect as many things as possible. We, we, we paid for renting, but his eye is incredible. And he sent us a lot of things that we were able to use. We're also, um, but my good friend, uh, Greg Hyatt from Circa 21, he just retired as well. The costume designer there, he, before he retired, let me uh, borrow a few costumes and I will certainly be returning those at, at the end of, in case Danny Hitchcock is listening to this, I will certainly return those to the costume shop after this show, <laughs> whether Greg is there or not. So collaboration is really oh, necessary to critical. pull off something yes. of this size. You have a master's degree in theater from the University of Minnesota, yep. and, and then you obtained your PhD also in theater from the University of Oregon. Yeah, And at St. Ambrose, you've taught many, many courses in theater over the years. I'm wondering, what is one of the valuable lessons you think your students have learned from working together on a stage production? Mm. Well, there was a student who was doing her first play at St. Ambrose in Little Women, and she, it was like a clique-like went on one night. Um, and, and I said, you just had a thought. What was it? And she said, this is a team effort. I, I want to do this for all of the other people. I, I want to be good, not for me, but for everybody else on stage. And I said, well, yeah. And she said, I don't know, that just hit me. <laughs> and I thought, well, that it, teamwork, collaboration, knowing that you're not always the center, knowing when to throw focus, and keeping in mind that there is, there, there is someone who's stepping outside, looking at the whole, guiding the through line of the story, and so that possibly your favorite bit will be cut, not because it's not fantastic, but it doesn't serve the story. And I think that's really important for any kind of cab, uh, collaboration, for team building, for being a responsible 
part of a of an, of an industry, no matter what that industry mm-hmm. is. We as a society seem to to prize individualism. Yes. It seems like over working communally. Right. But but I'm imagining, and I've never been on stage, but uh-huh. it must be really this incredible communal experience. And And it is about individualism as well. You have to have all of those different types to have the the collage come together and sort of like pointillism. And then you step back and you see Mm. all of those little points. And then you see a hole that just like, you know, Sunday in the Park with George, you know, point, 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 point. You you see a picture at last. Uh, Yeah. That's a great analogy. And and it must really foster communication skills as well, I'm, yes. I'm guessing. And and just the power, the vulnerability of putting yourself out mm-hmm. there and the power that you must feel afterwards yeah. after you complete something like that. I had a, a, a revelation the other day. Um, my, my wonderful music director, um, Ron May, uh, had a couple suggestions for me that I, I miss the obvious in the music. And he brought those to my attention as kindly as possible in front of my students. And I thought, oh, I think I've finally grown up. Even 10 years ago, I would have thought, I would have thought, oh, my gosh, I didn't have all the, all the answers. Somebody else had a better idea than me. Oh, my gosh. And it, I was so thankful that he pointed that out because it was when it was done as the script and the music suggested together, it was transcendent. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I think it's taken me longer to learn that lesson than I want to admit, but here I am admitting it. So maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> you were recruited to St. Ambrose over three decades decades ago to Gosh, start yes. the theater department. Well, to 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 expand it, it to, was already going. So, but well, the, the department wasn't there; the program was. So, and and thank you for correcting me. But at that time, there was not a major in theater. No, there it? was an active kind of. Um, extracurricular. Um, Michael Kennedy, who hired me, directed many plays and taught a couple classes in theater, but he was a full-time uh, professor in the communications department. So it was more of a uh, of a very active and passionate club. Mm. So the decision that was recently made to eliminate the theater theater from the curriculum to eliminate that degree for those who might want to seek that. Um, and your retirement's coinciding, I should say, with the winding down of the program. It must be quite difficult for you. Um, heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so sorry. You had, you had mentioned that from this challenging time, you, you have learned an incredible lesson about, cele- about the fact that there is a time yeah. for celebration. There is. There have been I have just had the best. I'm just going to get all choked up here. I got to pull back a second to collect myself. Um, I've had just the best career. Um, I thought I was, you know, I, I spent about I don't know eight nine years as a professional actor, and I liked that. I liked it a lot. It was a lot of moving all around, but it was all about me. And I didn't realize how important it was for the things we do in life to be about other people. And falling into education, which I kind of did, um, really has given me the opportunity for to understand the importance of arts in our society as a whole. Whether some of my students are looking to port, to continue and do this professionally, or are simply taking these life lessons and bringing them to their families or to their other careers, um, it has been everything to celebrate, and that's what I'm going to I've spent a, a too long being bitter and I'm going to do my very best to cele- celebrate and cherish every moment 
until I move to Minnesota in June. Mm-hmm. And I'll celebrate fishing. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of fish? Oh, goodness. <laughs> if you're a fisherman, any kind of... My father was a guide. My grandfather was a guide. I grew up on a fishing resort, so... In northern Minnesota. In, in northern Minnesota. Uh-huh. Um, walleye. I love catching bass, but I think walleye's better eating. <laughs> I am a northern fan, and um, I also do like to uh, fish in, in uh, uh, Canada, and so lake trout are really fun as well. Mm-hmm. I am a big proponent of the value of a liberal arts education, oh, yes. and and I understand that that budget cuts need to be made at times, and, yeah. and hard decisions have to be yeah. made in terms of eliminating programs. But theater and 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 the fine arts, in 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 a more general kind of global sense, yeah. um, you know. They they can improve academic performance in so many other areas. It builds confidence. It allows you to be creative. Those are those are skills that I hate to see lost. And I and I wonder how the St. Ambrose community is going to continue in its absence. There is the hope that theater will continue on the campus, and I sincerely hope that as well. I I don't know how that looks when we no longer have students who are coming there to study it. Because it takes a lot of time and it's a big, a big draw from when they could be making money um, in a part-time job or doing something else. And it, there will also be just one professor left. Mm. Uh, so he'll, and who is that? At Daniel Redenhale. Mm. And he'll be still, so he'll be still offering some courses, yes. just not a degree. Just not a degree. Yeah. And, um, you know, one person can only do so much that Michael Kennedy was doing it on his own in 19, you know, 89 and before. And. They realized how that was untenable. Here we are again. Mm-hmm. There was an online petition, I understand, that drew thousands of signatures to try to yeah. protest the decision. Yes, but, there was. Uh, but inevitably, those those hard decisions are made. And, yes. and you know, I think the legacy of your theater program, the, the, the major that you built, I think you can really see that in the number, the surprising number of small theaters that are thriving throughout the Quad Cities. There's quite a few of them. Yes. Uh, Daniel Sheridan is the head honcho at Davenport Junior Theater. We have a stage manager uh, at uh, Circa 21 Dinner Playhouse. We have um, the artistic director of the Quad City uh, Theater Workshop, Aaron uh, Rand the third is also an Ambrose grad. He's also our sound designer for Little Women. Daniel Sheridan is also our lighting designer for Little Women. I'm kind of bringing back my dream team for one last time and pulling in a lot of the, the people who are really active in the community uh, that um, were wonderful enough to grace our hall for four years as they got their undergrad degree. Mm-hmm. And I think that is an important recognition that they are not just involved in theater, they are community leaders in many different capacities. They are. They are. We're very proud of them. In 2017, you were honored with a Kennedy mm-hmm. Center, Center for American College Theater Festival gold medallion <sighs> for, for lifetime achievement in teaching oh. and, and producing theater. So I know that was a few years ago, but congratulations on Thank that. You. And, and you know, there is this legacy that you leave behind as an educator that's that's hard to replicate yeah. in other fields. And and have you had a chance to reflect on that? I It's it's funny, Joe and Little Women, when she gets beclempt, says, give me a task to do, give me a task, keep me busy. I think I do that same thing. Because if I reflect... Um, it, it is, I, f- I feel incredibly unworthy and I also 
don't get things done, and my life has kind of been focused on um, doing things rather than reflecting about them. Um, if I have been too reflective the last few years when they cut the department, it would have been devastating, too devastating to go on. And so I kind of shoved it down. Um, I am that the gold medallion was really the, the highlight of my career because it was my peers, my faculty member peers from all over the country. Um, and my mother, who turned 91 years old on that day, was able to come. She, was, she wouldn't have been able to today. She's still alive and, and kicking, but it was one of her last trips, and she was able to be there. And I had the whole room sing happy birthday to oh, her. Oh, that is incredible. It was amazing. <laughs> uh, oh. And so it's like, if I can use the platform for anything, it's to sing a happy birthday to my mom, <laughs> who, when I wanted to be a theater major, never said, don't you want to do something that's you know, a little bit more stable. She said, follow your dreams. Good advice, I think, yeah. that for any parent to yep. give to a young person or for a teacher or mentor to anyone who's younger yeah. than them. And, you know, you will have time, even though you've not had time <laughs> since the award was bestowed on yeah. you in 2017, you will have time coming up to reflect on that. So yeah. how are your post-retirement plans shaping up? You mentioned fishing, yes. but I'm assuming there are other things you're looking forward to there as well. There are. Um, we are, uh, my husband and I and, and our, our two ill-behaved dogs are moving to northern Minnesota and we're going to live in our family cabin on the lake. Um, I'm going to try to slow down. If anyone who's listening to this knows me, they're laughing. I know. Um, and so we're remodeling the entire cabin, and that's going to be fun and take a lot of time and more money than I have. I will admit that I am also, though, um, exploring opportunities to freelance. Um, in, in theater in still. theater, yeah. yeah. I, I um, have... A lot of irons in the fire as for directing here and there as a professional. Um, going back, I've acted in town and uh, here and there. I did some things at the the QCU Theater Workshop in Circa 21. And if they need an old lady, I might pop in and do that here and there. And probably traveling a lot to see my students in their shows. Mm -hmm. My former students, yeah. I should say. Which they would love to see ah. there. But, but, you know, you're returning to a state with a fairly robust theater history as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I am. So um, a lot of connections from the Kennedy Center American College Theater Festival that are up there. And that is, it's, it's kind of nice. Um, they're reaching out. And so I will hopefully have some opportunities to keep creating because I can't imagine a life without theater. Well, Dr. Kareen Johnson, best of luck with your upcoming performances and a huge congratulations to mm. you on your many years teaching theater here in the Quad Cities. Thank you so much. Don't miss the chance to see one of the three upcoming performances of the musical Little Women on stage at the Galvin Fine Arts Center at St. Ambrose University on Friday and Saturday, April 29th and 30th at 7.30 p.m. and on Sunday, May 1st at 3 p.m. Tickets can be purchased online or at the Galvin Fine Arts Center's box office. You can also learn more on Facebook at Galvin SAU, that's G-A-L-V-I-N, S-A-U. This will be Dr. Johnson's final stage production, so come and wish her well. This has been Carolyn Martin, Talking Art in the Quad Cities for WVIK. Our theme music is provided by a Quad City legend, the late Ellis Cal.